Blog Talk Radio. Introducing in the red corner, American Tennis! And introducing in the blue corner, your host for American Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese! Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. Tennis is Coach Chuck Creasy, and it is another week of American Tennis every Wednesday at noon on the Yellow Ball Network. And folks, we are forever indebted to uh, Jason Haynes and the uh, We Coach. Te- excuse me, the We Coach Tennis website is where you go right now for the Yellow Ball Network. But UR Tennis Network was set up by Jason Haynes over five years ago, and I'm very proud to say. That American Tennis, we've been with you now for about five years. Next month, it'll be the five-year anniversary of our program. So I don't know if we'll have some kind of party or whatever. I'm just very, very proud to have been on for 200-plus shows. And, folks, you can get every one of those programs if you'll go to my website at chuckcreasy.net. That's K-R-I-E-S-E, chuckcreasy.net. And, we cover it all, everything that's going on in American tennis. We cover it, uh, technical skills, the how to do stuff, the uh, coaching coaching plans, and, of course, the politics of uh, American tennis and what the heck is going on. And, folks, we've got a special program for you today. Uh, we've got guest coach Randy Blumendahl, and I'll bring him on here in a second. But um, I'm... I'm hoping this will be a prelude to his program that will be coming up. He can talk to you about that sometime. I think in a month or so he's got a program coming up. I think he's calling uh, Coach's Corner or something, American Coach's Corner or something. But, but folks, we, we've got to talk today. I've, got a, I've asked him to talk about a broad issue but give us some specifics about what we need to do, and every week I start finding out more and more about what the heck is going on behind the scenes, and I am pretty much outraged, and uh, as much as the USTA, the ITA, and our 
bureaucratical organizations, listen, good people in bureaucratical organizations that basically are good people who are under bureaucratical organizations, the bureau, uh, bureaucratic movement is basically, uh, it's, it's not, it's, it, it, they've got some things out there that they're pushing forward, but why they're pushing them forward and how they're pushing them forward is something we continue to talk about. And uh, I want to give sort of an overview as soon as I bring on Coach uh, Blumendahl here and give my two cents worth. But the whole program is going to be on it with his, his design or what he believes we should be doing. And within that and within the framework of how you are working in your tennis community, whether you're a coach, a parent, a teacher, a player, or just a lover of tennis, and all of us, all of us, have skin in the game here. Every one of us have a calling to uh, do what we need to do for our American tennis programs, but I'm hoping that you will be able to get great insight out of what Coach Blumendahl uh, brings forward today. And let me get him on the line here. I see the switchboard. And Coach Blumendahl, uh, you're there, correct, Coach? Hey, hey, Coach Creasy, how you doing? Uh, thank you for having Good. me on the show. Great. Well, I appreciate an hour out of your very uh, busy time. Uh, from what I hear, you've been on the court 12 hours a day, and you're working pretty hard with a lot of young people and others. But but thank you very much for your time. Coach, I wanted to get right, cut right through the chase. We're making a lot of mistakes, I think, and uh, – I've had I've had some of my critics say, well, listen, quit being such an alarmist, and give us some um, clear-cut methods of fixing the mess. And 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 if I might, I wanted to talk about just a generality because I really believe it's an ideology program more than nuts and the bolts. We've got plenty of nuts and bolts. We've got plenty of people who are ready and eager to do the work. We've got plenty of facilities in this country. We've got plenty of learned people. But uh, we basically, I think the problem is an, an ideology problem. And, and let, me, let me just explain really quick. If you look at two pictures in your head, one of a pyramid with a broad base at the bottom and a small base and, and the point at the top, and an upside-down pyramid next to it. An upside-down pyramid has a very, of course, the point at the top and the broad base at the bottom. Now, here is where I wanted to start out by saying the whole, my philosophy has always been that there's two things that people seek out, doing the right things and doing them the right way. Now, I believe that we are in a culture of doing things the right way, but we do a lot of wrong things the right way. And as a coach for many years and as a teacher, I've always believed that you've got to try to do the right thing, and guess what? You have to do the right thing the wrong way at first in order to get the right thing the right way. And if you could look at a window pane, for example, coach, doing the right thing the right way, doing the right thing the wrong way, then you have doing the wrong thing the right way and the wrong thing the wrong way. Those are the four options. I believe that we are doing a lot of wrong things the right way and the wrong things the right the right way become the wrong things the wrong way. Are you with me so far? Yes. Coach? 
Coach, you yes, wish me I lost you. <laughs> and no, folks I'm out here. there, listen, listen. Yep. I uh, I draw a lot of pictures in my coaching, but here's what I think that we've done, which is wrong. Everybody's talking now in the USTA, the coin language is the pathway, the pathway, the pathway. It's not about a single pathway. It should be an expressway. It should be a freeway. There should be hundreds of open ways to do it instead of putting on us the mandates of red, orange, and green balls, and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. A forehand's got to be taught this way, backhand this way, and a forehand this way. And by the way, you've got to buy all this equipment to do it. And by the way, our tournaments are run with all these explicit, explicit directions, and you've got to do it this way and this way and this way. That is basically a pathway that they're pushing, and guess what? They're getting very few people following that pathway. And then what happens, they try to open it up to this pathway will lead to many, many, many average players. So you've got the upside-down pyramid. In other words, Coach, I'm for multiple ways of doing it. I'm for a freeway, an expressway. We need to have tennis at every park. We need to have every Tom, Dick, and Harry. And I don't care, mom and dad, mom and dads out there have taught their kids more tennis than pros will ever teach them. More people in this country were good tennis players being self-taught than ever were taught by the ABC's only fundamentals. And the point is I'm for multiple design, multiple, multiple entries, a freeway of ways to do it and open it up. And then, Coach, the incentives to be excellent should be instilled to where they become more and more narrow to where finally, finally we get our champions and finally we get those role models. And we would like to see role models of every type. We'd like to see a Santoro out there. We'd like to have even the curious guy as wild as he is. We would like to have more John McEnroe's. I think you told me one time you loved the way John McEnroe was the wild child and that sort of got you excited. My favorite guy was Arthur Ashe and Stan Smith. Other people, you know what? I love Dennis Ralston. I love Dennis Ralston. So, anyhow, my my big deal is, Coach. I think that doing we're doing the wrong things in the right way instead of doing right things wrong and right things right and right things in between. But you know what? People don't like to talk about what is right and wrong, and so that's maybe part of our problem and that's my opening coach and if you can take it from there coach I want you to talk about uh, what you've been in coaching now 20 years college coaching about 10 years uh, junior and other ways of coaching you've been in this profession 30 years Um, my golly coach you put your hours in your 10,000 days in your multiple reps you should know, and, and so that's what we're looking for today in the program, and and uh, take it away from there. Go ahead, Coach. All right. Well, thanks, Coach. I mean, you, you touched on a lot of things. I hope we get to at least half of those, but I, I think this is very important what we're talking about. I think we're, we're, we're doing – we're starting to get to the point where we're doing a pretty good job of identifying where all the problems are, but like you've been talking about, what do we need to do to go forward? What do we need to do to create champions? And a lot of it is an ideology. There's a fundamental problem there. Um, Myself, I grew up 
playing everything, every sport. I played football. I played basketball. I ran track. I did cross country. I played a little baseball. I wrestled. Um, and I did a lot of those sports all the way into high school. Um, and one of the things that becomes very glaring to me is we make decisions in our sport and we start, we start looking at the sport to try to grow it from an entertainment standpoint instead of trying to grow it from an actual sport itself. But I fell in love with sport and as, as I'm, you know, on this side trying to develop young champions, one of the things that's, you know, from the, from the parents to the USTA at a, at a regional level, I'm not sure that we're treating tennis. In fact, I know we're not treating tennis like a sport. And what I mean by that is basketball is a skill sport. I can't tell you after junior high how many times we ran so hard in basketball practice that somebody threw up. We ran so hard in practice that people couldn't could barely walk off the court. Now, was this abuse? No. No, it wasn't abuse. It was the standard at which you needed to start testing yourself to become great in the sport. A lot of it was just the base of the standard. You know, I, you go out and you shoot 2,000, 3,000 jump shots after that so you can make the starting lineup. The bar was set high. Was it a skill sport? Yeah, it was a skill sport. Well, not not one day passed by where we did not treat it like it was a sport. Same in wrestling, same in football. In tennis, in tennis, you know, whether it's through the scoring or trying to get a lot of people in, we're not we're 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 not sending a message of of trying to create the best of the best. We seem like we're aiming constantly for the middle. And while we're aiming for the middle, trying to make everybody comfortable, we end up taking away the very fabric of what makes our sport great. So I think that's where a lot of this all starts. And, yeah, you know, a lot of the things you touched on I think are important. I think that, that we need to get into all that. But until we start looking in this country as a sport, it, tennis is an actual sport, I think then, you know, it, it's going to be hard. You know, we're going to be talking, hey, or you might be running them to, hey, coach, they could get injured if they train that hard. Hey, you know, I know that's the standard, but, you know, can, can a person that is this size, can they do that? Is a person this size, can they do that? You know, and all those sort of things start, and, you know, you start coming up with question marks on all that. So the way we train is not really honoring the game the way it should be honored um, if we're going to create champions. So I think that's, that's you know, and in, in doing that, it has to be done in a way that's going to inspire the youth of, of tennis and sport itself, you want to get the best athletes. So really you want to inspire everybody that wants to become an athlete and attract those people in. And I think we 
are not doing a good enough job of that for a lot of the reasons that that you know we've talked about and you know so that's that, that you know I think that's the first thing that that uh you know I wanted to talk about with uh with you know really where where tennis is today um and could, I think that's I jump, kind of the baseline could I jump in yep. there a second? First of all, uh, my question would be, why is this happening? And, um, you know, it, again, I'm just not throwing, I don't want to throw stones, um, you know, and uh, there are some very good people in our organizations, but we are hiring now people who are into, there is an overwhelming, look, I was on, one of those committees for two years and they sort of pushed me out uh, out of there but there's an overwhelming belief on there that participation will breed excellence my mantra always that no excellence will breed participation participation does not breed excellence in, in other words you have to have your role models but excellence excellence is seeing uh, the great uh Australian Open match between Nadal and Federer a few years back, or Warinko, where you get up and you beat your chest and you're so proud to be a part of this game. And you used to read about Borg and all the training that he did and the excellence that he did. And, and um, you know, and whether it's Tiger Woods, think Tiger Woods in golf, what he did because of excellence. And it was very well known that he was working extremely hard to perfect his skills. And uh, how many young pros do we have now doing well because of him? And it it wasn't about general. You know, I, I, the thought comes to my head: no cut programs for high schools where everybody makes the team. It's a participation activity instead of a, a rigorous sport. So why has this happened? Number one, and then uh, that, that if we could just answer that a second and um, what, are, what are your thoughts about why this is happening coach hello coach sorry coach I just got um, I, I, I was interrupted for just a second I, I didn't hear the last question sorry hey, coach Go why ahead. is this happening uh, why is this happening is it just that we have too many lawyers involved. Uh, one of the top coaches told me, gosh, we got lawyers everywhere. And these guys are so afraid of somebody getting injured, Johnny. And I always, in those meetings, I said, look, nobody ever dies in tennis. When you get tired, you miss balls and you lose. It's that simple. Why we, Why are we so worried? And the, the, the adults making these decisions do not understand that that youngsters' heat tolerance increases as they get better shape, and that's a big part of the game. But now if it's 85 degrees, they put a heat alert out and they dumb it down to no-ad scoring and three-game three sets and stupid stuff like that. It's not even a, a test. It's, it is an activity. But why is this happening besides maybe lawyers and things? Well, I, I think that's a good question. I think that's more – I think the answer to that question is going to be more about really what we're teaching our kids, how we're raising our kids, the the values that we're bringing along, and because this is going on throughout sport, um, is it is it better?
for our kids to be renaissance men and, and be great at, be good at everything, be pretty good at everything, and, hey, have a comfortable life or step out on a limb, strive for excellence, and be whatever the best they can be at whatever that discipline is going to be. And I, I think that is is something that we, for whatever reason, maybe we're too comfortable as a society that we're not doing a good job overall. And tennis is one of the things, but certain sports hasn't allowed it to bleed into their ideology as much as we have in tennis. For whatever reason, we've decided in tennis that this is going to be the great answer for everything, and it's not. And I think we're learning that, and unfortunately we're learning it the hard way. Something that comes to mind as we as we talk through all of this is why do you choose tennis? Why did you choose tennis? Why did I choose tennis? Why did the greats choose tennis? It there's 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 a certain individuality about the sport, especially when the bar and the standard is high and it looks almost unattainable, but it looks like wow, that's something I would like to be. And then there's an entrepreneurial shift that I think is something that anybody that wants to play sport, and they, maybe they, they like the team stuff, but they want to do their own thing. I think that is something that's very important to tennis. And we have, you know, we haven't had, done a good job of supporting that, whether it's through personality, game style. We haven't allowed kids to be great. Now, is it the parents? Is it the the organizations? We've stopped it on every level. Um, I don't think it's a Coach. lack of talent. So. Coach, could I jump in there real quick? Um, yes. I When you bring this up, I know exactly what my thought process when I was a 13-year-old young man. I was crazy about basketball. I did football and things. Tennis, I knew that if I worked harder than everybody else, I could be – I could have a special career in tennis somehow. I could be good at this. I just said, wow, this is an individual sport. If I work hard, if I work harder than everybody else, I could be better than other people. And uh, didn't have any lessons, and every ball I hit on the backboard was a testimony to my thinking, hey, I could, if I work harder, I'll get ahead. Whereas in the team sports, you're dependent on the the coach putting you in a certain certain position or the guys that you train with or just the method the right way. But in tennis, I knew that if you hit enough balls, you hit that ball until it looked like a watermelon coming across the net to you, you had a chance. So that is affirmation to what you're saying exactly. We've taken that away. Now, let me add, when people started dumbing down the work ethic, I said, well, this is going to be nice. It's low-hanging fruit. But then they changed the rules. Like in college, it was low-hanging fruit when we outworked everybody at Clemson for many, many years, and it was low-hanging fruit. We kept winning and winning and winning, and nobody was going to outwork us. So the point was, so the the higher-ups, what they do, they change the rules. They dumb it down. They dumb down the amount of hours you could practice. They dumb down the amount of matches you could play. Now they're even dumbing down the scoring system, the no-ad scoring, four-game sets, 10-point tiebreakers. So, therefore, what is the use 
of my, as a child now, or someone like me, outworking somebody else. There's no use. There's no use. Because now it's it's the number not, one thing, not, the most important can, thing. Can I ahead, jump coach. in here? Jump not in. only is there no use, and in, in you're not attracting that person that, that ends up falling in love with the game because that's what the game's all built around, and, the, and it becomes a sport in itself. But we've redefined that, and we've made it sound like it's turned into something else. It's about the forehand, the how, the serve, the you know, the, the whatever the catchy phrase is of the day. It's about that. It's not about the hard work. It's about the game style. It's not about so. And then we have about the scoring systems. The you use for yeah, it's teaching. about the equipment. It's about the strength. It's about the teaching. Yeah, hey, if you if you have an extra, if you work on your skill, you work on your how, then the other stuff doesn't really need. I mean, that's that's just kind of secondary, and that's almost the opposite of the way the game's built to create champions. So, and I think every sport's like that. I think every sport is built like that. And if you take away that fabric, what are you left with? You're kind of left with uh, something that people can pick up pretty easily and then they set it down just as easily and they move on to the next, you know, they're going to be playing squash next. They're going to be playing badminton next, paddle ball, whatever it's going to be. But tennis has so many more layers in that and so much more depth, but it's it's got to be allowed to be looked at as a sport to see all those subtleties from an emotional standpoint, from a physical standpoint, it's got, you know, from a mental standpoint, it's a beautiful game, but it's got to be allowed through that base. And and we're not allowing that to happen. And not only are we not allowing it to happen, we're framing, we're framing stuff, whether it's failures, which is actually needs to happen a lot in sport for somebody to become great. We're framing it where it's about something completely different. So when you do that, and then you and then you put in your scoring systems that actually aid and and kind of fog up what the real truth is. It doesn't tell you what the real truth is. It turns it into something different, and then we scratch our heads and say, "Well, wait a minute, we don't have enough talent." That's not that's not the truth, though. It's not. Um, and we're, we're, we have a hard time, uh, um, attracting athletes. Well, of course we do. Of course we do. The sport has become so cumbersome. You know, like you said, you just picked up a rack and said, if I work somebody, I can become good at this. If I work people, I can become good. Now, if I work and I become a, an expert at the, in the websites on the computer and I figure out what what uh, tournament to play at what time, and I find the right coach. And you know, at the end of that, they're like, oh, hey, I'll just sign up to play baseball. You know, this is kind of ridiculous. So, and I think there's a, still that percentage of kid out there that wants individual sports that fall in love with it. So, you know, and, you know, I, from, from, you know, well, anyway, that's, that's uh, that's something that, that was you know hit me right from the start when you were talking about that and that's yeah I think it gets down to I remember Pat Rafter said a couple of things a few months ago but basically 
in paraphrasing, he said, if you work hard and you fall in love with it, you'll be great in this game. I, if we would get back to that and we would build the game around that, great, you would see greatness all around. We would have the American champion again. Can I tell you a quick story? Two, uh, three weekends ago, I went to my nine-year-old daughter's uh, ballet recital. Right, now, ballet. Now, think about this. Ballet. What is it about? I take, we take our daughter every week over to this little ballet school, and uh, she does the ballet, and I don't understand anything about it, and I go in there and watch. I go, whoa, that's interesting. But this lady has all these girls doing ballet, and um, I'm going, well, at the very worst, my daughter learns grace and fitness. She's listening to classical music. It's going to help her overall being rah, 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 you know. And then, then I go to the recital. Okay, so here's what you have. You have the prima ballerina. You have all these girls, different age groups, come out, and they do their thing, and my daughter did her. She rehearsed and everything and was there for five hours to do about three minutes with a group of a couple spins and put her hand on her head. I didn't know what she did. It looked beautiful to me because it was my daughter and everything. I said, okay, well, she was there five hours, got to do this three minutes, okay, and, well, honey, what are we paying for this? And then, and then, listen, and then the better kids came out, and then the prima ballerina came out, the top girl. And my wife said, yes, she's going up to New York and study. She's the only one of this group. There's, and I'm saying there are 65 kids, 65 little girls. And, and uh, you know, and this is the only one going to go up to New York. However, this is the point I want to make. Everyone in that audience was mesmerized. Every one of those children who were not the prima ballerina sat back and goes, wow. You know, they were like, their eyes were big. She did her thing. The pressure was great. She performed. And I go, that's what it's all about. But the thing is, what it's more all about is my daughter looking there and saying, well, maybe if I worked hard enough, one day I could be like this. Maybe not, but at the same time, think about that, how impractical ballet is for the average person. Okay, I've always said tennis is harder than playing the violin in the, the, the orchestra, but tennis is, is a great, the greatest of all sports as far as one-on-one competition without throwing fists and throwing punches. It's the ultimate, ultimate boxing without having to throw punches. It's tremendous as far as a competitive sport, but the skill and skill structure and everything. Coach, I mean, it just is just a mind-boggling to me, and it hurts so bad. I've often said it feels like it would be like if your son grew up to be a drug dealer or your daughter grew up to be something she shouldn't be. It, it just crushes you to see it dumbed down to, uh, to, to in, in scale to something that's so average in, in, in a hope that maybe somebody will say, oh, wait a minute, it's easy to pick up, so, boy, I'm going to stick with it. No, easy to pick up, easy to put down, hard to pick up, hard to put down. My daughter is going after this ballet now, and you know what? 
She may or may not make it, and it doesn't matter. It's like trying to be an astronaut. Your kid, I mean, it's unbelievable how the mindset is just so wrong in our leaders and our teachers. You know, so your thoughts, Coach? Well, I, I agree. I mean, I think we're going much deeper than than tennis at the moment, but that's that's kind of the root of what what's going on. I mean, I I uh, you know in college the same thing. You've seen it across the board. Um, you know, for participation, and and you would you would hope with all the taxpayer, and I say hope, you would hope with all the taxpayers' money with these state schools. And the private institutions, all the money they fundraise, that there would everybody in the institution would be striving for excellence. And then you you have sports where we say no, we're not going to do that. And then we try to frame it like, okay, striving for excellence is abuse. Well, maybe I mean I guess that's how you define abuse. I mean, if you're a math person and you stay up for three, four weeks at a time trying to figure out something is that, I mean, maybe you're abusing yourself. You shouldn't be doing that. I mean, it starts to become comical after a while, but in these institutions, that's what originally they said they were out and we're creating opportunities or is it more pragmatic than that? We're just supposed to show up and everybody's supposed to be the same and, and uh, Hey, let's just be comfortable. I, I don't think human psychology flourishes in that situation. And I don't think that's what we've been selling in that. But we have that going on. We have our parents, the stuff we're talking about with our parents. And then we have an opportunity as coaches to teach these boys and girls, you know, about sport and about through tennis and be able to teach them these lessons that are going to carry on much after they hit tennis balls. But when we take that and then we change all the rules and then they say, hey, those aren't actually the people getting ahead. It's these people, or we're you know that doesn't really lead to anything. Look, they they it only leads here. Uh, that that's not that's not a very good situation for for these kids to try to strive for being something that's extraordinary. You know, in, you know, the president, whatever it's going to be. Um, so. Well, yeah, I think there's a the psychology proof. behind this. I think there's a psychology. Let's talk real quick. The proof is, is in the pudding. Let's give a few statistics. So let's start at the very uh, base, uh, this green ball, orange ball, red ball, whatever. And we all know the red ball's already been taken out. It's it's a done deal. So they got the, the orange ball and the green ball. The green ball, I, I, the only statistic I have here now, they'll give you, oh, my golly, we introduced 8,100 million people. 8,100 million, what the heck is <laughs> my math? All right, but so many people have been introduced to the sport of tennis through the green ball, and I've always said, yeah, it's a great teaching tool, but let's talk about the organization of it. In the state of South Carolina last year, green ball tennis, they had a tire the, the entire amount of people to sign up in our whole state, listen to this, Coach, drum roll, the 40 kids in the whole state. Is that pathetic or what? Okay, so so let's, uh, let's go a little further. Let's talk about kids who play tournaments. In high school, we have 350,000 kids last year participating in the participation sport 
or after-school activity of high school tennis. Coach, do you know how many play tournaments during the year? Drum roll. <laughs> 17,000. That's 7%. Yep. Seven out of every 100 high school kids play tournaments in the summertime. All right, Coach. Well, let's go yep. on. So let's go on to uh, colleges. Okay, USA Colleges, and we know that 450 programs have been dropped. We know that it is, and I've often said it's about dead. I'm in the sport. It's pathetic. It's it's very, very aggravating what's going on. And if anybody's been to a college match, it is exciting to see teams go against after teams. But the dumbing down of it, in the right now it's about 75%, I think I last saw, are in three out of every four kids playing are international uh, youngsters. Now, before we get political on this, I would be for incentivizing our American kids to play. USTA, you want to do something, incentivize. How about let's uh, give bonuses to those coaches who recruit all American kids who are doing the best. Maybe go at it that way. It's, you know, the, the can of worms has been open now where we've got international coaches coaching and we've got so many players everybody knows that usa is the gravy train if i don't make it on the pro tour i go to usa tennis so we all know this is going on however do you know folks drum roll in 1986 we had 41 usa born men that made the top 100 in the world today we have two Stephen Johnson and John Isner. Stephen Johnson, Southern County, John Isner from Georgia. And women's side, it's been 25 years since we had the Gretchen Rushes. And uh, the, I think um, Florida had quite a few good players coming out, I know. Uh, but right now we do have this uh, girl, Nicole Gibbs. She was from Southern Cal. But outside... If you want to die in your tennis game, go to what they say is you – some pros are saying don't go to college. It will kill your tennis game. And I would attest to the fact, Coach, that where I worked at one time in a junior program, we had a college team that would train there. And our 12-year-old kids were working twice as hard as the college girls for sure and harder than twice as much time on the court – College guys were doing two hours a day. The kids who were trying to get good at 12 and 14 were putting in four and five hours a day and uh, more intense. And uh, most people in college do not look at college as a training ground anymore. That's the end of your career. And as far as professional tennis, we all have the numbers there and the women's side. If it was not for Serena or uh, Venus, I think it's been – 2001 or something was the last time we had anybody else do well. And no, no, actually it was 90, 98, I believe. 2003 was the last man that we had win a Grand Slam. So there's not much to be inspired there. So the proof's in the pudding. It's not like in the numbers I hear the USTA is just panicking, running around, throwing stuff against the wall, trying to figure out how do we get more people playing, more people playing, more people playing. Well, you know, I mean, it's the problem with tennis is not level one, getting people to the court one or two times. The problem with tennis is getting the hook in their mouth and getting people to like the game and love the game and then become a tennis player, not just somebody who plays tennis. 
So, Coach, um, I wanted to – we've got a little bit of time here. We've got five to ten minutes. Um, I wanted you to draw a picture, if you could. Tell me what – if you were in charge of USA Tennis, Coach, what would you do from top to bottom? Give people out there some ideas. And folks listening, try to think if you can implement these, you know, right in front of yourself at your club, your parks. We all we are all guardians of the game. Every American out there is guardian of American tennis. Do not wait for an organization. Do not wait for the government organization to swoop in and take care of you. You know, we're all guardians of the game, and we're going to get a recipe here from Coach Blumendahl. So go ahead, Coach. If, uh, yeah, if I was in charge of USTA, I think if to grow the game, I think fundamentally you have to start with how do you produce a champion. And I think to do that, they would need to back away from the player development completely and start building well, explain event. that explain that why what you, what's your thought process the person well, out there says there's, everybody there's else one one thing i i said earlier was i felt like people fell in love with the game but they also fell in love with this process of this entrepreneurial side of tennis i did it my way hey how did you become great i did it my way there's commonalities but they all did it their way and if you're on a team, sometimes that doesn't fly. But when you're when you're playing an individual sport, that's part of the deal. That's one of the reasons why you want to sign up for it. So when you take that out of the mix, you've probably taken the very people that are going to become your champions out. So step away from that and let that grow within its own natural community. Stop pulling the talent out of areas and give those people incentive. And also the the very people that inspired that to happen that have helped those young boys and girls become great incentives for those people. And then the outside of that with the coaches incentives, that formula that worked will naturally change if it needs to if it doesn't that coach can will take them as far as they can take them in those situations um for the for the most part and then players will figure a lot of that stuff out um to change that formula up all the time just slows it down when you're constantly i I mean i remember in florida living in florida watching best player and then all of a sudden they switch coaches something would happen behind the scenes they switch coaches you never hear of them again well, how'd that happen? Well, it's simple. I mean, there was something that was going on that that happened, and maybe the words are similar, but there was a couple of things that happened in their relationship that made it where they trusted each other and they trusted the information and they were able to move to help, help facilitate a a situation where the child could go forward. So I think if we get in the way of that, that's going to slow everything down. Also, the... None of these kids are chasing after rankings. They want they want to go to the big events. They want to get in the events. How about building events? How about building events in communities and allowing those events to be great and taking a step away from mandating them and just allowing tennis to be great? And then, you know, you're going to have to organize a certain percentage of it, but you don't have to organize it from the bottom to the top. 
That doesn't Sorry, you're, re- you're saying remove. You're saying remove regulation because USDA yes. would say, oh well, we do have all these events, but they're so regulated, it's harder to get in one of these tournaments to play one of these terms. It's more expensive. Why would you want to at the end of the thing and with so little to gain? But in, in but uh, in the only way, yes, and that's exactly right. And and it, whether it's basket, whatever the sport is, track and field, if somebody said that was the pathway, not a lot of people are going to be inspired by that. I mean, you might inspire somebody that sits behind a calculator and figures out how, how do I get in front of it, how many points do I need, but those aren't usually the athletes that become great in in our sport. So, um, and then the, the events themselves need, in order for those to be great, there has to be a certain amount of what well, has to be complete ownership in that event so there's enough pride that they can put in something different than maybe everybody else has. They can do something special. So that's not going to happen when you're regulating them all the same way. So the standardization, even though, you know, there's got to be a certain amount at the top, so we can, but it, it doesn't need to be from the bottom to the top. That just slows everything down. Um, so the, uh, um, you know, and the, the, the next thing I would do is, is I would give incentives for these kids that are, that are able to perform at a high level quickly. You, you bring them in, you get them to compete against each other and you give them incentives to try to speed up progression or expose them to what they need to get to the next level and the next level, but let them go back and then let everybody in that area see, hey, look what where he's at. I can change, I can get there because I beat him a year and a half ago or whatever. But let it grow naturally within the areas as much as you can. Um, coach. So, so that, that coach, anyway. Yep. Coach, we, uh, you're describing – how we used to do things about 30 or 40 years ago. And before you folks out there <laughs> just start laughing here, uh, remember that book, Everything We Needed to Know We Learned in Kindergarten or something, or something like that, first grade, all of the rules. But when we used, we used to have it right before we got so smart, didn't we? I think we, we had very simple, we, because we could not do it, we didn't do it a lot. And all they had was USTA had tournaments locally, regionally, statewide, and then in your section. And then if you were good enough, you went all the way to a national event. And you had to be darn good to go to a national. I never got to play in a national. I don't know if you did, Coach. But uh, now you just have to pay enough money. You get to go to some national events. And uh, But we have, we've sort of outsmarted ourselves, haven't we? We Absolutely. And, and, and one thing I, I was grounded in is, is early on I was around some some very good tennis players that played on the original tour, and, and they, they would talk to me for hours at a time, and these guys would say, the game is great. The game is great. Don't mess with it. It will always be great. Personalities, let them come in and out. They will come and go, but don't mess with it. And and I think what we have to do overall, if we're going to change, we have to look at ourselves, not the game. Look look at you know I was I had my 
players here uh, watch WCT final 1968-1969. But what was amazing about that match was people were sitting on top of each other. It's an indoor event. They're sitting on top of each other to watch the match. You look at the amount of people that are in an indoor match today, I mean, the camera can't pan out further than three, two rows, or the, the place is completely empty. So it's, it, and it, it's not the game. And we keep thinking it's the game that needs to it's change. Not it's not diminished attention span. I get so sick of hearing, oh, people's attention span is just so, we've got to keep everything under an hour, two hours. They get bored, they get bored, they get bored. What? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's it's just that we have dumbed it down so much we don't have something of quality that inspires uh, inspires us. And uh, we're so uninspired, and it's so so disappointing. Last words, Coach. We're about out of time there. Uh, any um, anything for the normal uh, coaches, parents out there to do? Uh, again, I, I wanted to mention, you know, several weeks back, Tim Wilkinson, who was a great player, Dr. Dirt, he said kids play for two reasons, two reasons only. He said rivalries and tournaments of heritage. And we've taken away yes, both of these three. points. We took away rivalries because kids can duck uh, not playing each other, and that we downplayed the rivalries and, and and everything. And the tournaments of heritage has been the most disgraceful thing that the USTA did. They took away all of the local tournaments of heritage, the Cracker Lands, and these tournaments, and they diminished them with this rating system or this uh, overregulation, whether you're level one, level two, level three, and I don't even know what all that stuff means. Folks, I've been attending 47 years, and I cannot keep up with whether it's the blue group, the green group, the level one novice, the level one, two, three, four, regional, national, and it doesn't mean anything. We all used to know yeah. that what something meant, and now it's it's just ludicrous how, how they've done this. The bean counters, the bean counters have been given too much power. <laughs> Oh golly, Coach. Well, I agree one hundred. Uh, I agree one hundred percent. What what Tim said of you know that's the two things that do inspire young boys and young girls to be great in this sport. Look for those avenues. If I was a parent, I would look for those avenues. Anything that didn't add up to that, I would try to shy away from it. And development doesn't mean a number beside your name. The, there's there's going to be obvious stuff there, you know what, and it's not necessarily forehands and backhands either. Should see a change in your son or daughter that is much deeper than that, and those are the things that we would start looking for to make a difference. Coach, when does your radio show start? Can I tell people? I told them it might be called the Coach's Corner, Coach Blumendahl. When, when, do you, when, when should people look for your radio program on, a, on the Yellow Ball Network or your tennis network here? Put me on the spot there, Coach. I don't know if I have a date yet, but it's coming. <laughs> I, I think that uh, people listening to you today would definitely you would have a following immediately we we need you and your words to be out there coach uh you're well, above you. all you're a great teacher and a motivator and and golly that's that's uh, much needed for all of us you know so we'll look for it huh yeah absolutely 
And and All coach, right. keep doing what you're doing, coach. I mean, you're you are inspiring the the youth of tennis today, and you're keeping those coaches going. And uh, if we don't mess with the game and we keep looking inward, we'll find the answers. So thank you, coach. Yeah, well, we're gonna hang in there, and you hang in there too, coach. Made in America. Opinions stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network. Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual.